Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Good evening. At the top of our guest list this week, we have Rob Pegarero, the personal consumer technology columnist for The Washington Post. We then have Avram Pilt from Laptop Magazine. He's going to talk about the Mobile World Congress just concluded in Barcelona, Spain. We'll also hear from Jim Dalrymple from The Loop at loopinsight.com. All this and more this week on The Tech Night Owl Live. We go to The Washington Post. Rob Pegarero joining us on a balmy day in Washington, D.C., where the temperature is actually eight degrees higher than in Phoenix, Arizona. I won't get into that. By the time you hear the show, things may turn around topsy-turvy. But I want to talk to you first about the fact that you, like one of our guests last week, acquired a Verizon version of the iPhone. Now, the person we talked to last week lives and works in San Francisco, and his iPhone for AT&T rarely worked. He hardly uses a cell phone. He mostly uses it as kind of a portable computing device. Finally, he gets his Verizon iPhone. We haven't had it a review. You've got one lying around your office there. Have you given it a whirl yet? Yes, yes. My review ran the post. Um, and yeah, I mean, my basic assessment is it's an iPhone. Uh, the big difference is obviously the network. And, you know, there, there are pluses and minuses to Verizon and AT&T. For me, I, I just note that while when I did side-by-side comparisons of the Verizon iPhone and an AT&T iPhone, it wasn't like the AT&T iPhone was dropping calls or refusing to connect, but I've seen it happen. I've seen that network get swamped. It's not amusing to see uh, to have your phone show five bars of signal and then not be able to do anything online. That's very peculiar about the way AT&T drops calls. Normally, you expect the signal to get down to one or two bars, and it's understandable that you might drop a call. But you're getting four or five bars, and suddenly somebody can't hear you. It's like the conversation ceases, and then the call ends. Yep. I've heard enough stories like that from readers as well. Okay, so knowing that, what are the differences that you perceive between the AT&T and the Verizon iPhone, other than the cosmetic stuff we know about? Yeah, one thing that sort of surprised me, yeah, I used the, the speed test app to uh, clock the, the download speeds of AT&T and Verizon 3G, and AT&T was faster, not like twice as fast. You know, obviously you need to have it actually working in the first place. Uh, the other thing, of course, though, the Verizon iPhone has this and the AT&T one does not, uh, this great little uh, personal hotspot feature where you can share your connection not just with the one device tethering allows on the AT&T iPhone, but up to five devices. And I did test this. I had five different things hooked up to the uh, Wi-Fi on that, on that iPhone, and they all did work. Okay. Now, did you notice a difference in the quality of the calls? The audio quality, the resilience from drop calls with Verizon, how does it compare in that? Because I That's think we kind of use it for that sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I didn't notice a huge amount of difference at the time. Now, to really sort of do a worst-case test, I would need to take both these phones to something like CES, <laughs> where wireless goes to die, or um, you know, maybe to uh, a really crowded uh, sports event or something like that. Or hang out in Penn Station in New York and see how things work. Or anywhere in San Francisco. There is that, yes. So you didn't see much of a difference. Now, I guess you're in an area where AT&T has a pretty good signal? Well, I don't know. See, I've heard from enough readers who said, you know, no, it doesn't work for me. So it could have been just that I was catching them on good days when I was doing this review. I haven't repeated too, too many of these side-by-side tests since, but I'll, 
I'll try to remember to do that at least uh, for as long as I have these phones. They're both loaners from Apple. Okay, but as far as you're concerned, then, what about audio quality? Now, some people describe that the audio character of the voice is slightly different between AT&T and Verizon. Too subtle for you? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you why in a moment, but go ahead. I, uh, I really can't say I noticed any difference that way. Okay, well, this is something that you'll just totally ignore. Here's what it is, anecdotally. On an AT&T phone, the voice is slightly warmer, but it's crisper on Verizon. Sounds like we're having a discussion about vinyl and CDs. Okay, so let's say that AT&T is vinyl and Verizon is CD. Did the fact that you can't have voice and data at the same time on Verizon, was that a negative for you or didn't you notice? It is an issue. It's not a big one to me for two reasons. One is simply, you know, I've, had, I've only ever had CDMA phones myself, so I'm used to that. Uh, but the other thing is, A, if you have Wi-Fi enabled, then you can talk and surf at the same time. But B, you know, I just don't spend that much time using the, a smartphone as a phone. The vast majority of my usage is using it as an Internet device. And I think, you know, AT&T zone numbers, they, they showed me, I think, going back a year ago, bore that out. That's how most of these things are used. It is a phone, but most of the time you're not actually using it to talk. Well, except right around here, I have a complaint into AT&T because in the past couple of weeks, within two miles of where I live, the signal really has gone bad, where I find that problem where either the call drops or I get a situation where, well, for example, I was talking to my wife the other day and she said, would you repeat that every other word disappears. So I was sounding like like that. Well, I guess you could just text uh, back and forth in that case. I was talking to her on a landline. She doesn't text. Uh, that won't work so well, no. No, it won't. So in the end, you basically, that they're very similar. There are differences, of course, in download speeds that might be advantageous to AT&T. In the end, though, it depends on what carrier gives you better service in your area yeah as with any phone i mean myself if i had to choose between the two i would go with the verizon model you know verizon's coverage is better in the district certainly better in rural areas another thing you know it's kind of funny at&t you would think gsm phone your big advantage is you can use it pretty much anywhere in the world and with most gsm phones you can get the sim card slot unlocked and if you don't need your own phone number you can just get a prepaid sim AT&T elected to take that advantage out of its hand, neutralize it by locking the iPhone permanently. And if you look at the rates at AT&T, say you want to travel, say, to Spain. Say I wanted to go to Spain to visit my son for a couple of weeks. If I pay AT&T's roaming charge, I could buy another plane ticket. Yeah, it might be at the front of the plane, too. <laughs> That's right. I could be in the business class or the first class what they do. I think it's totally dumb. They could, they should, like anybody else, say, all right, you're going away for a couple of weeks. We will let you have your phone unlocked. Go ahead and put on another SIM, but you can only do it for 30 days or something. Give a person a limitation for a trip. What they're doing now is really hurting them, I think, in the long run. But then again, you know, Verizon, you're in worse shape because in many of those countries, it doesn't recognize CDMA. Right. I think in both these cases, your best option is to uh, pick up a, a used iPhone 3G or 3GS off eBay, jailbreak it and unlock it, and that's the iPhone you use overseas. The whole situation is stupid. I think that the wireless carriers need to work together to have some kind of worldwide roaming system. I mean, now what you could do, I suppose, is 
only make calls at a Wi-Fi hotspot with Skype if you're overseas. Right. Then it doesn't consume data. There's no roaming charge, I guess. Correct. Yeah, using Wi-Fi, so that's fine. I mean, the industry is sort of getting there. Most carriers are standardizing on LTE, and while they don't use LTE in long-term evolution for voice, that, that's coming at some point. So we'll, we'll get there eventually. It may be two generations of phones from now, though. Yes, but the key is the roaming system. You know, devise something that's affordable to customers because that way you get more of the customers. If you're going to charge somebody $500 a month to take a quick trip to Spain or to France, they're not going to want to use your product. They'll buy the unlocked phone. They'll buy the cheap phone at the airport and use it for a couple of weeks. But if you could sell a package for $30 a month or something, you know, if Skype can do it, why can't AT&T and Verizon do it? Exactly, yeah. It's, it's foolish the way some companies will go after that uh, short-term rent <laughs> as, as if they don't need to do business with this customer down the line. I think, though, the other thing is that AT&T, whatever their situation is, they're going to have to work twice as hard to fix up their network now because you're going to see a lot of people migrate. Not immediately, but as contracts come up, they may want to make a decision. We have Rob Pecorero of the Washington Post, where he's a personal technology columnist. We'll have more in a moment on the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many files formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. <clears throat> Sore throat? Spray that with Dermatol. <laughs> Diaper rash? Spray that with Dermatol. Ouch! Burn or cut? 
Spray that with Dermatol for shockingly fast relief. If you had room for only one first aid product in your preparedness kit, you need Dermatol because it works on almost every skin irritation or injury. All natural Dermatol brings amazing relief to burns, cuts, scrapes, bites, boils, shingles, rashes, elderly skin tears, even chronic diabetic ulcers and bed sores. Dermatol is an all natural antimicrobial, antiviral, and antifungal wound cleanser that speeds healing with no side effects, is safe for all ages and skin types, and is even safe enough to spray on sore throats or onto sore eyes. Read our many testimonials. Dermatol.com, spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L.com. Order online at Dermatol.com or call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Effective, efficient, economical. Spray it all with Dermatol. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the usa place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793 877-747-2793 call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's reusablecanninglids.com for tadler reusable canning lids the original since 1976 America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com We are talking to Rob Pegarero from the Washington Post. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. And right now we are, at least we started, talking about the Verizon iPhone versus the AT&T iPhone. You did read, by the way, Rob, that both that the Verizon iPhone uses a baseband chip from Qualcomm that supports yes. GSM and CDMA. Does that mean that the next iPhone is going to be a world phone, a real world phone that will work on both networks? It could. I mean, in, in the short term, using that, that kind of dual technology chipset simplifies Apple's job of engineering. They, they don't need to have two entirely different uh, you know, radios in, in two, two different configurations. So I can see why they did that. I remember when there was the whole debate, will Verizon get the iPhone? Uh, people said, you know, Apple doesn't like to make two entirely different versions. Well, I guess that's how they solve it. Well, in the future, then, they'll have to come to a conclusion. Obviously, the antennas are different. It's not going to be a simple thing in terms of engineering, but we kind of expect it's going to happen. I'm going to ask you one more question, and then we'll go on to some other stuff. About the iPad, we're all expecting, because Elton John says so, and Sir Elton John says We'll see the iPad soon. He says April. I think everybody expects late March, early April. Any expectations on your part of what Apple should do 
or are going to do. And then I'm going to ask you one more question about the iPhone in a moment. But let's go to iPad. Yeah, uh, you know, it's got to come out. I'm, I'm thinking early April, exactly a year from when the last one shipped. That makes sense. I don't think they're going to go. You know, you might think it'd make more sense to have a new one come out uh, in time for back to school. But I don't see Apple going a year and a half with this. Not when, you know, there's a lot of tablets running other operating systems like Android and HP's WebOS coming into the market sooner. Uh, I figure the next iPad, it's got to have a camera. It'll be thinner. That seems an obvious thing. It's not going to have an SD card slot. You know, Apple has surprises, but in other ways, they're pretty predictable. All right. Do we expect we're going to see a Retina display equivalent? I don't know. I mean, the people have done the math. If you wanted to have the same pixel density, you'd be looking at a very high-end, uh, you know, really expensive display. I'm not sure. For a while, I was thinking that would make sense just to sort of standardize everything. I don't know about that. You know, if there were any, any area where I'd expect Apple to have some kind of one more thing surprise, it would be in the display. The other possibility here, Voice, is that Apple might sell this year's version, or last year's technically, of the iPad, cheaper, kind of doing what they're doing with the iPhone 3GS. Sell just the basic 16-gigabyte version for, say, 349 for those who can't afford 499 You know, I hadn't thought about that, but that, that would make a certain amount of sense. It would also cause a lot of hair to get pulled out by executives of companies selling Android tablets that already don't compete with the current iPad's pricing. <laughs> That's kind of a mess there. Right now, if you want to get the competing iPad wannabes or killers from Samsung and other companies, the only way you can bring the price down to a level equal to or less than the iPad is to get a data contract for two years. Then, of course, it's subsidized. Right, exactly. And, of course, you're going to spend a whole lot more than the cost of the tablet, the Galaxy Tab or whatever, in data fees. And I don't think that's a good no. If you want to have an Internet connection wherever you are on your tablet, it's a whole lot cheaper to just add a tethering or personal hotspot to your phone. You assume you're going to have your phone with you and then you just use your iPad then as yeah. a Wi-Fi device, save all that extra money. Exactly. Think about that. Back to the iPhone a minute. Stories in Bloomberg News, the Wall Street Journal, speculating on a nano version of the iPhone, a slightly smaller version, maybe selling for 100 or $200 less. So Apple can basically let you have an up-to-date iPhone with the subsidy for almost free. Do you see that happening? Because the New York Times doesn't seem to accept it. Yeah, I think it would be sort of un-Apple-like to try to compete on price. Apple's line has always been, you know, look, you, you pay more, you get more. That's, that's how they sell their computers. Except for the iPod. Yes, yes. Although even then, the, the iPod shuffle cost more than other entry-level players that had, you know, actual screens and whatnot. So, I don't know. I definitely don't think we're looking at a smaller iPhone. I don't see Apple doing that. Uh, cheaper, you know, maybe that's... Maybe Apple's going to decide, you know, we're not going to sell last year's model. We'll just have a cheaper version of this year's model. But I don't know what you can really take out of uh, the iPhone to make that happen. You know, well, the only thing you can take out is maybe 8 gigabytes of flash memory, so there's an 8 gigabyte version. But that's not $100 worth of parts. No, that's like a dollar's worth of parts. <laughs> yeah, it's really only expensive for flash memory when you start getting into those higher densities. Yeah, yeah, so I, I don't know. It um, it would be kind of a shift of emphasis on Apple's part to decide that, you know, we're, we're going to provide, we're going to get into the feature phone market. 
that was the other possibility, too, whether Apple would provide like a shuffle version of the iPhone without app capability, just a basic, simple screen, but an elegant Apple kind of thing for people who don't want smartphones. They just want a phone. This would be like, as I said, the iPod shuffle equivalent in the iPhone line. But then you have the logical problem of Apple wants you, of course, to use part of their app store ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to build a cheap feature phone, you can do that already with Android. I mean, there are Android phones you can, you can buy for cheap, for prepaid services, not for $600 for 100 bucks and change, where there's no subsidy involved. Well, that gets into how far does Apple want to go to compete with Android? Is it worth their while? Yeah, I mean, that, that Apple's a profit company more than a market share company. Not that they're hurting in either department right now. So we have to look, would they consider that? to expand the market or just some way to make a basic entry-level full smartphone version of the iPhone for less money. So the question is, where do these stories come from? Did they make it up? I don't think so. Did Apple feed these stories this week, this kind of speculation, so people would not talk about the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona? They'll talk <laughs> again about Apple. Yeah, I don't know. It, it could be that, you know, maybe some uh, engineer at Apple was privy to a research project that didn't pan out. Um, it could be a deliberate leak. It's hard to say. I, it doesn't seem like a deliberate leak. You know, when I think of that, I think of the stories that suggested the iPad would sell for under $1,000. A week before it debuted at $500. If you want to have people amazed by the price, then you want to have people thinking, oh, well, it'll be 1000 bucks, but it, it, it better be really good for that. Then you find it as $500, and you almost don't care how good it is since it costs half what you thought it would. But wouldn't you think a paper like the Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg News, for example, or even the New York Times, they would vet their sources a bit more carefully? You certainly do so at the Washington Post. I try, but, you know, I have to note, Bloomberg, they, I checked, I believe they were the first source to call the Verizon iPhone. They had a story last summer which said it was going to come out at the end of January. I'd say getting within two weeks of the actual date, six months in advance, is pretty good reporting. Or they talked to somebody at Verizon who gave them the information, that's all. Maybe Apple is feeding this information, not just because they might do it. Who knows? It might just be a trial balloon to see how the public reacts and also to upstage that other event in Europe. Yeah, I don't know. The other thing is, of course, Apple kind of dominated Mobile World Congress anyways. I think the iPhone won the, the best phone prize, whatever it was, they handed out there. They sure do a lot from not being at these events. We have Rob Pegarero. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, 1-877-804-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part, the pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV.
For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. If you suffer from poor sleep, you need my pillow. Guaranteed to be the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Using a patented fill, my pillow adjusts to your exact individual needs by gently supporting your head, shoulders, and neck. My pillow has a natural built-in cooling effect, keeping your cervical nerves cool, giving you the best sleep of your life. My pillow will never go flat and relieve snoring, migraines, sleep apnea, fibromyalgia, and many other disorders. It's antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, and best of all, machine washable and dryable. MyPillow is made in the USA, has an A rating with the Better Business Bureau, comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an industry-leading 10-year warranty. Order today at MyPillow.com or call 952-442-6199. That's 952-442-6199. Mention coupon code GCN and receive 20% off your order. What do you have to lose except poor sleep? MyPillow.com, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own, guaranteed. Who is Sam Andy? Sam Andy Foods is life insurance in a can. Life insurance you can eat. Sam Andy Foods has been serving loyal customers worldwide for over 50 years. Why so long? Simple. Sam Andy Foods have perfected the taste and quality of low moisture foods. Foods that last 15 to 25 years. And that's made us an industry leader among families, sportsmen, outdoorsmen, churches, schools, people living in remote areas, U.S. troops in wartime, and many others. Sam Andy is America's leading supplier of over 100 high-quality, low-moisture products, and everything you need to survive in any emergency. Visit SamAndy.com today for your free full-color catalog and free trial subscription to the Survival Times newsletter. That's SamAndy.com. Just like it sounds, SamAndy.com. Or call toll-free 1-888-331-0358. Your one-stop shop for everything your family needs to prepare for any emergency. Sam Andy Foods. Life insurance in a can. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. Returning with Rob Pegarero of the Washington Post, where he's a personal technology columnist. And when I invited him on the show this week on the Tech Night Out Live... I had a special request because I'm reading about the fact that we're almost running out of Internet numbers. So we have these acronyms, IPv4, IPv6. What does that mean for regular people? Forget about the geeks. Regular people need to know what this is about. For now, it means nothing, mainly because... You know, there is a real issue. Internet Protocol version 4, the current numerical addressing scheme we use, 
you know, when they devised it, they, they came up with a system that would allow 4 billion and change numbers, which seemed like a lot. Well, forget about the fact that we have, how many people are in the world? 6 billion? I, I should really know this offhand. There are also so many devices on the internet, and every man, machine, and combination that are on the internet needs a separate internet protocol address. And so we're running out. Um, you know, there, there's enough in the U.S. in other parts of the world you're going to run out of IP, IPv4 addresses sooner. You now, know, the there was an interview, by the way, recently with Vinton Cerf, of course. Yep. He's one of the founders of the Internet, considered the father of the Internet. And he said they could not have possibly imagined in the 1970s that they'd ever run out of IP numbers. Couldn't possibly think about it. It was way beyond their conception at the time. They didn't expect the Internet to take control of everything. Yeah, and I think I'd say they did a pretty good job, even if they didn't quite figure out how it would scale, to have something that would, an architecture that would, in fact, work for the next, you know, 40 years, even without factoring in its growth, is pretty good. So, anyway, the fix for this is IPv6, which is a, a longer, more complex address, which uh, I had to look up the term for this. There, There's, you know billion, trillion, quadrillion. This is a, uh, what is it, unidecillion? I'm going to have to look this up with my blog. But anyway, it's, it's a very, very, very large number. We have and to wait so, until we join the Federation with other planets before we run out of those numbers. Venserf has been talking about interplanetary internet. It is one of his interests, but not intergalactic. So, yeah, there could be a scalability issue then. So if we go to the Pegasus galaxy and the Stargate, going to be a problem. Yes, but in the meantime, we have to get from IPv4 to IPv6. You can have an IPv4 client, you know, your Mac, connect to an IPv6 server, but there's a sort of gateway translation process that works for just web browsing. But if you wanted to do a FaceTime call from one to the other, that's not going to work. Uh, online gaming won't work. Anything that requires very low latency, that's an issue. And so the, the short-term fix is, you know, any company running a web server or web service is going to need to have IPv6 addressing turned on. And then internet providers, it is, they'll start issuing IPv6 addresses to their new customers. And at some point, new customers may only get IPv6 addresses, not just v4 and v6. And where it gets really funky is looking at things on the client end. Current operating systems should speak IPv6 fine. Older ones may not. You may also have issues with your cable modem. Apparently, that's something that's at some point Comcast or whoever will have to issue you a new one or your uh, your Fios network terminal, whatever you might have. So there, there's, um, there's a lot of stuff to be done. And the thing is, as an individual user, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to sort of sit back and trust the people in white lab coats to do their job. So basically, your ISP is going to have to deliver a new cable modem, a new DSL interface, perhaps, although I understand a lot of the current models can't support both. You're going to have a situation also if you are put up a website. Is that going to create a problem? Well, whoever's running the web server, yeah, they're going to want to have an IPv6 address on it. And it won't make any difference to the people at the end that you'll be able to see. It's not like you'll have a different uh, URL or domain name. That, that's all going to be transparent. But, yeah, you're going to need to have this turned on. Okay, so, for example, our web server is IPv6 compatible, but I haven't even begun to work with the data center or the host to figure out what that's going to mean in the future. I don't worry about it now because I don't need any more IP numbers. Right. 
Yeah, it's it's something that uh, I'm sure it'll make a fair amount of money for a lot of different IT consultants, but it's got to get done. And the good thing is no one's freaking out. This is not like Y2K where people were predicting we're all going to die. So instead, it's we're all going to be slightly inconvenienced. Slightly being that you can't get the website you want when you want to get it, your connectivity gets to be screwy? Um, well, like the, the web will still work, still work fine. But for instance, you know, a Skype call, like the one we're having, that might be an issue. So we have to wait, for example, for Skype to support that, for our ISP to support it. I assume that Macs and Windows computers' current models all support this anyway. Yeah, Windows 7, Mac OS 10, uh, they, they don't have any major issues with IPv6 that I know of, although I'm not a network engineer, could be missing some finer points. Older versions, uh, certainly older versions of Windows, you could have issues. And that's the thing, too. Do you think if we look in retrospect to the Y2K problem that it was overhyped? Well, in a way, it's hard to say. We can't really rerun the experiment. I think it was overhyped in the sense of, you know, oh, all you individual people, you need to be stocking up on canned food and, and bottled water and whatnot. They saw a lot um, of bottled water then. And they right, had all these exactly. science fiction movies. The world's going to end. <laughs> yeah, it became this weird survivalist exercise that I didn't quite see the point of. Um, but, yeah, there, there was a lot of reprogramming that needed to be, do, needed to be done to, to fix this issue. Um, but it was nice to discover that, you know, we actually can fix our own problems if we get to work on them. Something that we can talk about in Washington, D.C., where it doesn't matter what party you're a member of, <laughs> fixing problems seems to sometimes <laughs> happen after the crisis occurs. Yes. But you see here, too, this is private industry. They could lose a lot of money if they don't get their IP numbers in order. Yes. Okay, but there's not going to be some kind of crash here. It's just going to be a little bit of a hiccup. Yeah, you know, you just might find that the Internet is a little buggier than usual, and, and some sites take a while to load. You know, it would be a pretty rare case where, you know, the, the worst-case scenario for the individual user is your ISP didn't do their job, didn't get enough IP, IPv4 addresses, so either they just don't have one to hand out. So it's the equivalent of having an AT&T iPhone in San Francisco. You have a very strong connection, but you can't get anywhere. Or they would have to sort of do funkier networking things like, you know, essentially using a network address translation system as if, you know, all of their customers are on the other side of a really big Wi-Fi router with private IP addresses. They get relayed through the ISP, which is an inefficient uh, way to do things that will definitely break a lot of applications. So we're talking here about the fact that in a situation like that, you'd have to have this intermediary system of translations. Yeah. Okay. So this would weigh that you'd be able to bridge between the old and the new until the new takes over. Is that inevitable? We're going to have to put up with that maybe? Well, it should be. Again, it's all going to depend on your ISP because they're, they're the people who are the really heavy lifting from the home consumer perspective. Uh, and if they do their job, you won't notice anything. Uh, if they don't, you will, but you won't be able to do much about it. But the idea is, yeah, it should be nothing the consumer notices. They don't have to change anything because, you know, right now you, you plug in uh, your computer to the cable modem or you, you get your computer on your Wi-Fi network. It gets its IP address assigned automatically. You're not hand configuring anything. This is not like the bad old days of Mac TCP, which sadly I do remember. Um, so that shouldn't change. So it's just going to be making sure your ISP helps you get over it by doing what they need to do at their end. Have you had a chance to talk with the ISPs 
as regards to this? You know, people from Comcast, Cox, Time Warner Cable, etc.? Comcast and Verizon. Comcast has actually been pretty far ahead on this. They have a site called, I think, Comcast6.net, where they detail their IPv6 efforts. They've been doing tests for a long time, contributing open source software. Verizon, which I should note is my own ISP, they're kind of weird. They don't really have any messaging to consumers as yet. They've put up an announcement or two for business users, but they're not really talking about it yet. It's a dirty secret they don't want to reveal. <laughs> I hope not. No, I hope you don't find out at the wrong time that this is going to be a situation that's going to cause problems. We'll have to see. Maybe closer to the date when they really have to make the switch over. We have Rob Pegarero of the Washington Post. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. In this connected world, your Mac needs to be protected from the many threats that come over the Internet. But how can you stay up to date with the security issues that now affect Macs? The Mac Security Blog covers all the security threats to Macs, keeps you informed about essential updates to your software, and alerts you when new threats or malware are discovered. Keep your Mac safe. Visit the Mac Security Blog at blog.intego.com. That's blog.intego.com, blog.intego.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hi, I'm Don Wiskin, and have you ever wondered what the garlic cayenne drops could do for you? February is Heart Month, and we want you to find out just what can happen when you take the right combination of herbs designed to maintain our cardiovascular health. Purchase a four-month supply of Extendivite drops or capsules, plus get a bonus month supply of capsules for only $125 plus shipping. That's five months' worth of Extendivite for $25 per month. This is a heart month special to help get you started on your path to better health and ends February 28th. So don't be left out. Find out what Extendivite can do for you. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123cheapsolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123cheapsolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123cheapsolar.com. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. It's a new year full of uncertainties. People are being laid off in record numbers. The price of food continues to rise and the economy continues to falter. You know that you need to prepare. And maybe you've been putting it off, but the time to act is now. That's why you need to visit OrganicaSeed.com. At OrganicaSeed.com, you'll find one of the largest online selections of heirloom seeds and survival seed packs, as well as the giant vegetable seed collections that can feed you and your family for years. Imagine growing your very own fresh vegetables, wheatgrass, fruits, herbs, rice, tea, coffee, and tobacco. With detailed growing guides available to you at no charge, you can maximize your harvest and investment. And the best part? All orders ship within 24 hours. So head over to OrganicaSeed.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A Seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We continue. Rob Peguerero of the Washington Post for one more segment on the Tech Night Out Live. I'm Gene Steinberg, and we've covered IPv4, IPv6. There you go. Let's look at a few other things before we let them go. All right. What is this story I'm reading that Apple may face some kind of new antitrust investigation? Is this part of their subscription app scheme the scheme is what you might call it so you know i work for a newspaper we, we'd like to have new ways to make money and one of them people have focused on for a while is um you know let's find some way to sell subscriptions to electronic digital versions of newspapers on the ipad where we can do you know things with graphics and design and animations that are difficult to do on the mobile web or even the full-size web and so People were waiting while Apple needs to build in some way to build for a subscription. And Apple did that, but uh, they're doing it in a way that makes it really beneficial to Apple. Apple is saying that first, you know, if you're going to offer us, here's our subscription service. It's done through the App Store. We handle all the billing. But we're going to keep 30%. Even though in a subscription system, Apple isn't hosting anything. This isn't like the App Store where Apple, you know, stores the app for the developer, handles the installation and the updating, provides a lot of value-added service. With subscription billing, Apple's providing a really easy-to-use cash register. So 30% so is kind of plastic. Just here. They're basically then linking to the company's website for the content. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not saying the App Store isn't a convenience, and some people might want to use it. But that's the second thing. Apple is saying you must offer App Store billing if you have any kind of subscription, even if you have one that already works. You know, if, if you're Netflix... Netflix has to let people pay for Netflix through the App Store, giving up 30%, which is not a profit margin they can afford to give up. Uh, same thing for a lot of like interactive uh, music services. Third, Apple is saying your app cannot include a link to your own web storefront. So, 
you know, I don't know that it's an antitrust case. I don't think you can say the iPad has a monopoly of tablets because the market's too young. I can say this doesn't look like a very fair deal. It looks like a very self-serving arrangement for Apple. They're basically, at this point, restricting the whole thing. But now we have to look at the publishers who are getting involved. We have News Corporation with big, deep pockets with the daily, but the reviews I've heard don't sound too great. It has its problems. Yeah, I tried the daily, and it's just not all that. I mean, part of it is they say 100 pages, but they didn't say when they introduced this thing. There's a lot of pictures. It's very heavy on, uh, you know, there's a whole selection for celebrity gossip, but I'm just too old to really care about that. Uh, the reporting is not very deep. They're doing some nice things that you'd think other newspapers would do, like including the crossword puzzle, which I should note our iPad app does not. Uh, you know, the design looks nice, but it's, it's slow when you first launch it and on every day and it downloads new stories. You're sitting at the screen for a while, like a minute or so, while it downloads new, uh, you know, the day's stories and photos. That's it doesn't long. multitask very well. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is just a limit. You know, Apple has these these APIs that let an application hand off tasks in the background to iOS. Um, and I don't think automatically downloading updates to your content at a given time is among them. So when you launch any iPad newspaper app, the Daily, the Posts, the New York Times, you are waiting for it to get new stories. But the Daily seems to do that particularly slowly. Can't you, though kind of prioritize that based on your usage if they know you're going to go to the front page? Oh, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there was a really good critique of this by uh, John John Gruber, the guy who runs the, the da- Daring Fireball blog. It's about to say Daily Fireball. He could do a merger with the Daily. That's an idea. Noting that, you know, yeah, there's a lot you can do to make that perceived wait time diminish. You know, cash stories, you know, get the front page stuff first and display that. And the Daily isn't doing any of those things. And I'm saying, too, is you prioritize based on previous usage. If we know you go to the sports section first, it gets the sports stories. If it knows you're looking at the headlines, it goes there first. Now it's just trying to get everything at once? Yeah, yeah, and doing so pretty slowly. Okay, so that's a problem. Now, the other thing, of course, is that we can expect that with all the money Rupert Murdoch pours into his properties, he'll keep dogging this until it works, wouldn't he? I would think so. I, I hear he has some, some money to spare. A few dollars. The one, yes. the money he's not losing on keeping the New York Post alive. But that's <laughs> another story. So, yeah. The other issue with the Daily, though, is you, know, you, you can't rely on this to be your only newspaper. I think of it as more of the way it looks and feels. It's almost like a daily version of a timer in Newsweek. In that, it has these long feature stories, but not a sort of lot of up-to-the-minute coverage. There's nothing local. You know, they, you can get scores for your local sports team, but you're not going to find out about what's going on in City Hall in, in, you know, in D.C. or Phoenix unless it arises to some level of national importance. Isn't it kind of like what USA Today used to be when it first came out, kind of a very breezy newspaper with short stories? Now they tend to go more in-depth. But in originally, I, it sounds like something more akin to what that was. Except the Daily doesn't have an equivalent of that page in USA Today with headlines from around the, around the country. It you doesn't. Know, oh, boy. So what do you get on the front page of the Daily? Uh, it really varies, you know, day by day. And they, they can update it more than once. So, you know, in the last week, there's been a lot of stuff on Egypt, of course. And then there's a little bit of the New York Post tabloid headline sensibility when Mubarak 
faked out everyone, said I'm not quitting the day before he did quit. The Daily's, the Daily's headline was gypped. <laughs> okay, at least they tried. Right, yes. I'm not okay. saying it's the greatest headline. They probably irritated uh, a lot of people of um, you know certain kinds of Eastern European descent. Well, it was one way to try to do it. So is it improving the content, or did you give up after the first week? Honestly, I haven't felt compelled to sort of return to it. You know, it's... <sighs> I'm not the best test case because, you know, I wake up, I'm looking at headlines. I spend all day staring at a computer. Uh, you know, I don't have a very long commute. If I work from home, I don't have a commute period in, in which I could sort of while away the time flipping through the daily. And you probably also get the Washington Post delivered to your front door. And I think we have some pretty good writing in there. So, you know, trying to support my colleagues. I understand. So what are you guys doing at the Washington Post? Are you looking at this to think what you could do with your app for the iPhone and the iPad? I suspect so. You know, we have a lot of people. The iPhone app was the, the first attempt we made at a smartphone app. And I'm not, you know, breaching anybody's confidences of the post to say it was not very good. And people recognize it as such that we needed to do better. I think the iPad app is an advance. It, it's unlike the iPhone app we have, which is almost like using the mobile version of the post right now. I'm assuming there is an update on the way. The iPad app is a little more of the graphic sensibility. The headlines are in the same font as the newspaper. You know, it's got photos and, and video from the post. Uh, it doesn't have some other things. And I think we need to work on extending it. And it should certainly have a crossword puzzle. That's, I think, the complaint I get most often from people. You know, where is my crossword? Should it be free or subscription? Can you depend on ads to finance that, or do you have to go the same route as the daily as a subscription publication? The current plan, you know, we, we launched the iPad app in uh, December, right? Um, you know, free for the first month or two in a sponsorship arrangement. I think first it was ExxonMobil. I forget who has the sponsorship now. And then it was going to be a subscription-based. Uh, I don't believe we started charging for it yet. I'm not sure what Apple's plans will do because you know i am pretty sure the post has never had a 30 percent profit margin <laughs> so do we want to have a situation you know the, the print really shouldn't be subsidizing a digital subscription product it's one thing if print subsidizes a free ad supported website but you know if you're going to charge people money you should at least try to recover your costs up front but there's no printing involved. You don't have to worry about the printing presses, about hand delivery of the newspaper using, I guess, 19th century techniques. Although these days, you don't have the newspaper boy anymore, except in very rare circumstances. Now it's just somebody in a truck. Yeah, well, you know, most of the most post delivery is done by car, so you do need to have a driver's license. I guess you, you could call a 17-year-old kid doing that a boy, but, you know, let's not use it in an insulting way. No, we understand how that works. But a lot of times you're not working for the paper. A lot of times they contract out a third party. They do here in Arizona where, say, if you want the Arizona Republic, the local newspaper and the New York Times or maybe the Washington Post, if it's available here, you have one contractor who delivers everything. Uh, well, that's, that's an efficient way of doing it. You don't have five newspaper boys or men with cars converging at the same time at 4 o'clock in the morning and crowding your, your, your uh, stoop or something like that, your front porch trying to deliver the paper. Rob Pegarero, where do we find more of the stuff that you write about? WashingtonPost.com slash Rob Pegarero. You can find me on Twitter as Twitter.com slash Rob Pegarero and on Facebook as Facebook.com slash Rob Pegarero. Spell your last name so they know. That's the tricky part. Uh -huh. P-E-G-O-R-A-R-O. 
And we also have a link. When you click on his name over at the com slash radio, com slash radio, you'll also get a link right to the site on the Washington Post where his stuff is presented. Rob Pegarero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. You're welcome. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Avram Pilch from Laptop Magazine, and this week we're going to talk about, in large part, his trip to the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Spain. Did you get to see any of the sites, or was it all indoors? Uh, it was out. I mean, the convention center there is outdoors, uh, so. Each of the buildings is indoors, but then when you want to walk in the courtyard between them, that's outdoors. That's about as much outdoors as I saw, plus the taxi ride. So I didn't really get a great flavor for for Barcelona while I was there. Unfortunately, this trip was pure business. Okay, let's talk about the pure business. Obviously, there is that elephant in the room, which is the lack of the presence of Apple Incorporated. Did that make much of a difference? Uh, people don't expect them there, so so it's not much of an elephant in the room. I mean, obviously there are people there showing apps, but this show was really very much about Android. RIM was there. Um, Microsoft was there actually showing off some Windows Phone 7 stuff, so it wasn't completely Android-centric, but there was just a huge Android presence everywhere you turned at this show. Now, just looking at some of the events around it, we have Microsoft and Nokia making this deal. Now, how does that leave other partners for Windows Phone 7, since Microsoft appears to be pumping lots of money into Nokia as part of this? Interesting. I had a briefing with uh, Joe Belfiore, who's uh, you know head of basically the chief guy in charge of Windows Phone 7 for Microsoft, uh, and uh, you know, people were asking him about Nokia and how Nokia, you know, what sort of the special special privileges Nokia has over other vendors. And he and the other Microsoft folks were very kind of cagey because they were still trying to figure out, uh, they said they're still trying to work out exactly what special privileges Nokia has and is Nokia really going to have special privileges as is rumored, uh, which is... Uh, you know, people are saying that Nokia is going to have the right to make certain modifications to the operating system that, you know, for example, HTC and Samsung have not had permission to do. 
um, you know, it, it's an interesting time, and, and we'll really have to see whether maybe they start to open up uh, what, say, the other vendors are allowed to do as well. But doesn't that create one of the problems perceived with Android that each vendor can modify the OS or the interface the way they want? Suddenly, you don't have consistency. You know, it's a constant argument, and I'll come down on the side that I would rather have variety and innovation than consistency, because what you have right now with Windows Phone 7, what I think the problem is, is it's very difficult to tell one handset apart from the other. Um, there's just not a lot of innovation and customization that the vendors can do to really make their devices stand out. Whereas on Android, you have the opportunity for an HTC to step in and create its beautiful Sense UI, or Motorola to create its Blur UI, or Sony or Acer to just add a little bit to you know, kind of riff off of a common theme. Windows Phone 7, if you've seen one Windows Phone 7 phone, you kind of see them all at this point. And I can't think that that is a good incentive for vendors to work with Windows Phone 7, nor is it really provide any, an interesting story for consumers to say, well, I want this phone over that one. Yes, but are the differences so distinctive in, for example, the Android world that people really notice that this phone is very much different from another other than the hardware specs? I think you can tell, absolutely. I mean, if you look at an HTC phone, you can tell that the home screen widgets and the things that they've applied are, are extremely innovative. And, for example, I was at the Sony booth, and I was really impressed with some of the things Sony is doing to, to add to and improve upon Android. Uh, for example, right now in, in stock Android, you can't control the order of your, of your apps in the apps menu. They're alphabetical order. But Sony added a utility where you can change that order. In addition, Sony you know, added its own kind of riff on the email client. So if you, you know, are in the Sony email client as opposed to the stock Android one, you get two panes. Uh, so you can sort of see a list of folders and then, or a list of messages and then see your main message in another pane. Or they built something in with a keyboard on the uh, Sony Xperia Pro where as, if you're reading an email message, as soon as you uh, whip out the slide-out keyboard, it automatically opens a reply message because it assumes that since you whipped out the keyboard, you're ready to reply. Like, yes, but I, the question I have, though, is in a situation like this, does that make it confusing for app developers because they can't predict how each particular device is going to work? And what about the branding? You know, right now with a Windows PC, you know what it's going to look like. But if you have different branding with different Windows Phone 7s, you know, it suddenly could become almost another operating system. Well, I mean, I don't think that the differences between different kind of UIs and shells and, you know, improvements that have been put on top of Android make it so that you're in a different operating system. I mean, if you're familiar with Android and, you buy, and you've been using it on a Motorola Droid and you get an HTC, you know, you get an HTC Desire, it's not, you know, you'll notice some nice attractive widgets and some and maybe added functionality but it's not going to be unfamiliar to you. And from a developer perspective, if it's Android 2.2 or it's Android 2.3, it's going to use the same SDK. So, you know, all you're doing is giving the vendors leeway to, to provide some customizations 
on top of the operating system to keep things interesting. And we do that with window with Windows PCs right now. I mean, you buy a Hewlett Packard PC, you've got a slightly different battery manager than if you buy a Lenovo one. Right, but um, it's still Windows. You look at it, if you know Windows, it doesn't matter which Windows PC you get, basically everything is pretty consistent. You see what I'm saying? And, and that's the same with Android. It's just that they've added added a certain level of functionality on top of the base or a certain attractive wallpaper or attractive desktop theme or they change the color of the battery icon to look prettier or whatever. But it's not so that there's a learning curve, I don't think. But okay, if I am another company and I see all the things that Microsoft is doing and you know maybe they're allowing Nokia to change the branding of a Windows Phone 7 device to make it distinctive, to make the Nokia Windows Phone 7 device very much different from HTC or any of the other companies, you know, they got to complain a lot. It's kind of like, you know, we go back to the days where Microsoft had this place for sure system for use for digital rights management and digital music players, and then they come out with Zoom, which seems like they're double-crossing their partners. Can you trust Microsoft? I mean, I think you can trust, I think Microsoft has established a, a track record of they usually do what they say. In fact, in my experience, they always do what they say, and they're pretty straightforward about issuing a roadmap of what they're going to do. So I think their partners can, can trust them. The real question for, for the partners, for the people like Nokia, is are they betting on the right horse? Uh, you know, right now Windows Phone 7 is is way behind um, Android in terms of the functionality that it offers. So, you know, we're still waiting to find out uh, what's going to happen with multitasking. We're still waiting for copy and paste. Um, Windows, uh, the Windows Phone 7 team demonstrated that in their next update they're going to have some kind of multitasking support, but they weren't able yet to say exactly how extensive that is. Right now, you can't really run a process in the background in Windows Phone 7. Uh, I mean, that's that's an issue that developers still don't know the answer to and users still don't know the answer to at this point. So I think those of us in the tech press and people who have been following this are kind of taking a, a wait-and-see attitude toward Windows Phone 7. Like, let's, let's see what happens when they iterate on it and improve upon it, because right now it's very promising but we're not seeing anything that is absolutely killer to say, oh, my God, i got to switch. Um, you know, we'll have to see what, what they come up with. But if I were Microsoft, I would try and allow uh, vendors to, to innovate and differentiate their products so that, you know, you have people like a Nokia and a Samsung legitimately, an HTC legitimately competing on, on ways that they can take build off of that base and innovate on top of it like they do with Android. We're going to have to see how that plays out, and we'll explore that in more detail in a moment. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. You 
expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with a WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hey neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. The collapse of the dollar is imminent. You can protect your wealth by buying gold, silver, and strong foreign currencies. But what if the government confiscates your precious metals, implements exchange controls, or nationalizes your retirement? You need a backup plan. That's why you must move your wealth into an offshore asset protection structure. Go to CollapseProof.com to get your free special report and discover how to store your gold and silver in the world's safest vaults or how to hold foreign currencies in a way that's safe from bank failures, bank runs, or exchange controls. Learn how the U.S. government government failed to collect a $36 million claim because the defendant legally used an offshore asset protection program. This is what you need to keep your wealth safe when the dollar collapses and CollapseProof.com can help. Our programs are 100% compliant with U.S. law, but you must act now before it's too late. Call 800-798-2008. That's 800-798-2008. CollapseProof.com. Asset protection in financially unsafe times. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We continue with Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. He's telling us on the Tech Night Out Live not just about his trip to Barcelona, Spain for the Mobile World Trade Show, the Congress and everything else, but also about other events around it, such as, for example, the agreement between Nokia and Microsoft. But let's look at the long-term view here. Do you think this is what Microsoft had to do in order to make it possible for their mobile platform to expand? You mean to do a deal on Nokia? I mean, I think it's very fortuitous for Microsoft that Nokia is willing to, is willing to, do, to work with them. Uh, I think they caught Nokia at a good time uh, in their history. Uh, so I think it's, it's good for both parties uh, because Nokia, they had bet the farm on, on Nego, uh, which is another topic we can get into, and they didn't feel like they were going to be able to produce something of quality in the necessary time frame to compete this year. And so all indications are that this deal came together very quickly and you know it wasn't in the works for a long time. So I think it was fortuitous for both parties because it brings more attention to Microsoft Windows Phone 7, and obviously it gives Nokia another outlet. But if Nokia can't innovate, you know, then they're then they're going to be just another phone maker, and I don't think they want to be that. So we'll have to see what what kind of freedoms uh, this deal allows for them and then in turn for other Windows Phone 7 vendors. Now, one other question with Nokia, other than getting a lot of money from Microsoft to help with everything, why would they not have gone to Android where you have something which obviously has traction? Well, first of all, you know that the CEO of Nokia, uh, their new CEO, has a history with Microsoft. He came from Microsoft, so he certainly feels comfortable. But beyond, beyond that, I think you have to look at the marketplace. You have some very well-entrenched vendors who are succeeding now in the Android space. You've got Samsung, HTC, Motorola, LG, all embracing Android in a big way. Um, and so they probably feel like there's a lot of competition there in the Android space, and there's not as much room for them to stick out. And while you see that a lot of these same vendors have come out with Windows Phone 7 devices, you know, they're obviously putting more attention, or it looks like they put more attention still into Android. So Nokia has a chance potentially to own the Windows Phone 7 space, that even though they won't be the sole vendor, they have a chance to be the best vendor or the leading vendor with Windows Phone 7. So uh, instead of getting into a really crowded space with Android, they have a chance to kind of be the brand for Windows Phone 7. Okay, and I can imagine HTC's leadership is calling up Microsoft and saying, foul, foul. Uh, you know, they were never promised uh, an exclusive. Uh, HTC was never promised an exclusive. Samsung was never promised an exclusive. None of these people were promised, none of these companies were promised an exclusive. So wouldn't this make them inclined to say, hey, look, if we're going to be supplanted by Nokia, let's just, just continue with Android and heck with it. 
I think we may see a filter. I mean, I think we may see a filtering out. You know, we we don't know yet, but I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some of these vendors who I would describe as experimenting with Windows Phone 7 today. Uh, that some of them will stop the experiment. It really depends. Right now, I think everyone is taking a wait-and-see approach to Windows Phone 7, including uh, consumers and vendors. I don't think anyone has been either uh, has been blown away by the sales so far. Uh, but at the same time, I think everyone thinks, just like other versions of, of Microsoft products and Windows, they're going to see how it develops and matures over the course of a year. And it does have a lot of weight behind it and backing behind it. You know, we'll really have to see where it goes. I mean, at this point, if I were buying a phone, I would be looking primarily at, you know, either Android, iOS, or for people that, that need it, you know, BlackBerry and other people Palm. I, I don't think Windows Phone 7 is the most exciting option on the market at the moment. But there, there are people putting the effort in, and this Nokia deal should re-energize Windows Phone 7 from what was a... You know, a launch that was okay, but I don't think they've been blowing the competition out of the water just yet. Now, the other possibility I can see also is they're saying this is basically not going to happen till I guess, towards the end of the year and hopefully by the holidays. So does that mean that the sales of existing Nokia smartphones, not the cheap phones, but the really the quality stuff, that's going to be hurt substantially knowing that it's a dead-end platform? Mm, it's already a dead-end platform, though, before this, because, uh, first of all, as you probably know, in the United States, I don't think you can even, there's like, you, I think you can get the N8 if you really try, but it's, it's pretty near impossible in North America to buy a Nokia smartphone in the first place. So for your audience, they probably weren't planning to get one in the first place. Uh, but for those in Europe um, who were interested in getting Nokia with Symbian, Nokia had already announced plans to move away from the Symbian OS and onto Migo, uh, which they still say they're going to support on a single handset. But it, it doesn't look good for Migo. But for people who are buying the, the Nokia smartphones that are out now, oh yeah, they're already they were buying something dead before this before this deal came out because. Nokia's plan was always to move away from Symbian, which is their current operating system on mobile. And so that's telling us they're not capable of building their own mobile platform. They've got to go out and shop, and that's why they had the deal with Microsoft. Uh, I think it also is, you know, the, the other thing you haven't mentioned, it's a huge slap in the face to Intel, because Intel uh, was in it together with Nokia in terms of building Migo as a smartphone platform. And uh, I sat in on an Intel uh, press briefing where they said, yes, they were disappointed with uh, Nokia's decision uh, to really de-emphasize Migo. They still say they're going to come out with a handset by the end of the year, but it doesn't sound like they're very committed to it, like Nokia is very committed to it. But Intel is still 100% uh, behind Migo as a platform, not only for phones, but for netbooks and in-car devices and so on. Would and you explain to our listeners who don't know what you're talking about exactly what this platform is all about and how it relates to the mobile platform? So Migo is another operating system that uh, has been championed by Intel and it was kind of been worked on jointly by Intel and Nokia and the open source community. It is a form of Linux and there are versions of it for phones, tablets, uh, netbooks, in-car navigation systems, uh, and probably things I can't name like refrigerators. 
Um, and so far, the, the world has yet to see a shipping phone with Mego on it, but Nokia's plan before this Microsoft deal was to move all their phones over to, uh, to the Mego operating system. And uh, Mego still has a life of its own, and, and Intel is very committed to it, uh, but it looks like uh, Nokia's commitment to the operating system is, is almost dead. Well, this is an interesting point I think I'd like to mention, and that is when it comes to all these things that Intel is doing, Intel seems to be kind of left out with the growth of all these mobile platforms because they're not using Intel hardware in terms of smartphones, and let's get into more of that in a moment. We have Avram Pilch. He works with Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. You'll learn more of the things he does. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com it's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flu Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalheater.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. If you suffer from poor sleep, you need MyPillow. Guaranteed to be the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Using a patented fill, MyPillow adjusts to your exact individual needs by gently supporting your head, shoulders, and neck. MyPillow has a natural built-in cooling effect, keeping your cervical nerves cool, giving you the best sleep of your life. MyPillow will never go flat and relieve snoring, migraines, sleep apnea, fibromyalgia, and many other disorders. It's antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, and best of all, machine washable and dryable. MyPillow is made in the USA, has an 
A rating with the Better Business Bureau. Comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an industry-leading 10-year warranty. Order today at MyPillow.com or call 952-442-6199. That's 952-442-6199. Mention coupon code GCN and receive 20% off your order. What do you have to lose except poor sleep? MyPillow.com, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own, guaranteed. The largest part of gaining radiant health is detoxification. You can drink ionized water, cleanse your intestines, eat a perfect diet, and even take lots of quality supplements and in many instances only make minimal progress. What is the key to detoxifying your body of mercury, heavy metals, chemicals, and drugs? It is glutathione. Glutathione is the master antioxidant used to detoxify your entire body. It stops free radicals, keeps cells young, and reduces inflammation. One World Way protein powder may be able to raise your glutathione production by 64% or more. One World Way is more effective than any other whey protein powder on the market because it is unheated and from grass-fed cows. All other, quote, cold-processed whey protein powders have been heated and damaged by 15% or more. One World Way comes in three delicious flavors. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have more with Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. And we've been talking about the marriage made in heaven or some other place involving Microsoft and Nokia, and also where Intel stands with this, of course. So in terms of the hardware, are they even using anything in terms of the various hardware, in terms of Intel? Where is it playing in the smartphone arena? Well, right now, Intel is not in a single smartphone uh, as of yet. However, uh, at their briefing at Mobile World Congress, Intel promised that their phone, um, that their new platform, which is called uh, Medfield, will be out by the end of the year and that we will see it in a smartphone by the end of the year and that it will be the fastest and it will be, you know, the most power efficient. However, uh, as of today... Intel is watching on the sidelines as the big players in the in the chip space are providing the hardware for all of today's tablets and phones, except for the Windows tablets, which we might as well kind of forget at this point. Uh, so, yeah, Intel right now is is playing catch up, but they do they do have a great deal of commitment uh, to their hardware, and they think that they can not only power Mego devices, you know, with the the new Mego operating system. But also Android devices. However, the big the big winners of the show, no doubt, were Qualcomm, Texas Instruments, and Nvidia. Their chips are everywhere. And it's interesting. Apple is using the Qualcomm chip, the baseband chip, for their new Verizon iPhone that actually supports CDMA and GSM protocols. But of course, the phone is still just CDMA. Well, the rumor is that at some point you'll be able to get a phone that works across multiple networks, an iPhone that, that is network independent, that would be really nice to see. Frankly, I would like to see that in general from uh, phone makers. 
but then again, if you have a world phone, you may not necessarily get a good deal, get a good deal on the minutes or, or the data when you go abroad, as I found out this week. But, uh, <laughs> Tell us about story. that, because I think people want to hear about this. If you go, like my son lives in Spain. I'd love mm-hmm. to visit him. I have an iPhone. I have an AT&T iPhone, so certainly compatibility with the local networks there is no problem. But I could also go broke. Yep. So what I um, it's interesting because obviously uh, the first thing that you when journalists get together in a foreign country they ask is how are you connecting uh, these days. Uh, so I was fortunate. I had an unlocked phone in our office here, an unlocked uh, as it turned out Google Nexus One phone. And when I got to Spain, the first day I was there, I went to the shopping mall and I bought a, a Spanish SIM card from this Spanish uh, provider called Yoigo. And, uh, you know, for 20 euros, I had enough, enough connectivity to do a fair amount of calls and, and all my data on that phone for a week. However, uh, my friends who were on Verizon and AT&T, even those who had world phones, were actually paying instead of buying a local SIM card, they were paying roaming charges. So their data was being charged at an exorbitant rate. And even if they were calling down the block in Spain, they were paying international roaming charges for that. So just because you have a world phone or your phone is world capable, you might actually be better off having a phone that's not world capable and just getting, you know, being able to swap out the SIM for having at least be unlocked for for a foreign SIM because they charge you exorbitant rates when you use AT&T or you use T-Mobile or you use somebody else and you're abroad. Or, of course, you can go into a Wi-Fi area and use Skype. Uh, that, is, that is true, but, you know, that not every place you go has a Wi-Fi area, particularly at Mobile World Congress. Uh, it was It's actually kind of shocking that you could walk around the show floor and not be able to, to get a signal or not be able to get a, a free signal. There were a couple of areas that Cisco had designated as free Wi-Fi zones, but really, at a show like that, shouldn't they manage to get a free Wi-Fi zone for the entire convention center? I mean, it's a little bit ridiculous. Well, this is certainly something that I guess the convention sponsors should have considered, or maybe they didn't want to take all the people from other countries and drive them broke. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's just... You know, if you're not going to provide connectivity at your show, you should have to change the name to Stationary World Congress or something like that. I mean, this is obviously a show where people need connectivity, and I have to say a lot of times even my phone, you know, with the Spanish SIM card uh, didn't work in certain corners of the convention center. Yeah, but the other problem is, of course, is that the mobile carriers are living in the dark ages. you got to think now. If I want to call my son in Spain from my home phone, which is an Internet Base phone service called Phone Power. It gets 60 minutes a month international calling free. After that, you pay like a penny a minute. And for a mobile device like 10 cents a minute, it's a trivial charge. So if I don't really go crazy talking to him, and we usually use Skype, then we can call him you know, fairly often during that month. So we have ways to call between countries and not go broke. Why is the mobile phone industry living in the dark ages? It's uh, because it's profitable. It's extremely profitable. But my understanding is, uh, in Europe, the prices are much better. Uh, you know, as I said, I was able to get a prepaid SIM card for 20 euro, and I must have used up maybe 15 of the euro in, in a week. 
and I'm sure if I was on a plane, it would be better. I was on the plane with a gentleman from, from England who was telling me for his iPhone plan with unlimited data through Vodafone, he's paying, I think, 25 pounds a month, uh, which is significantly less than we pay for a similar plan on AT&T or Verizon. So uh, apparently mobile phone services are much uh, much cheaper and more user-friendly in Europe, even though the cost of the equipment might be higher. But you also have to realize, too, that when you go to another country in Europe, you know, it might just be a one-hour train ride. It's not like you're flying across the pond here or something like that. It's certainly a lot closer. So there might be that, plus the European Union would encourage cooperation. But here, you know, Verizon Wireless, AT&T, and even Sprint, you know, it's trying to be a scrappy upstart. They ought to say, you know what, we ought to make a deal with some of these other carriers so we can have some kind of international roaming. Yeah, they don't care because I think I think they do have a deal, and I think the deal is very favorable to uh, very favorable to to them. I mean, I think it's I think they like the fact that they can charge you ridiculous rates on those phones that do have international roaming that can do it. They're not charging you what you would pay if you got a local SIM card. So it's it's really over the top, and I don't know things like that just just really bother me because it seems like you know in the world of technology that you and I live in, uh, you know we're not ignorant of the fact that there are borders in different countries, but you realize that you can send an email to someone in another country, you can Skype with them, and it's the internet; it just all goes through. But you'd be surprised how many businesses are very much living in the 20th century when it comes to, to issues like roaming, and even when it comes to issues like product pricing. I mean, some of the things that we're hearing about, how much it's going to cost to, say, buy a Motorola Zoom in Germany, a, Motorola, a new Motorola Zoom tablet in Germany versus what it's going to cost here in the U.S., I mean, you would think that the German public doesn't have access to the Internet so that they can't figure out that they're getting ripped off in comparison to what Motorola is charging in America. I mean, there's just a very country-by-country strategy when it comes to pricing and businesses that is really not in line with the information age where where information is free. Well, in saying that, if you look at the price I've seen for the Motorola Zoom in this country, unsubsidized, it's $800. Now, how do you compete with Apple when you charge more than they do? Apple is the company that's supposed to be expensive. They have expensive gear. They have gear that's overpriced, therefore... Every other company on the planet ought to be able to undercut them, like in the Windows PC market. You know, of course, now we can talk about feature comparisons, but we know we can get a Windows-based PC for less than a Mac, forgetting, you know, feature, hardware, all the comparisons. But this is a big question, and it's a question we'll have to get into in more detail in our next segment. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. LaptopMag.com is the place to go. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. 
Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Men, take control of your prostate health without the risk of nasty side effects with Prostate Secure. Early detection, regular prostate exams, and PSA tests are a must for men over 40. Listen, if you have symptoms of an enlarged prostate but don't want to take a drug with possible nasty side effects, or if you're over 40, then use Prostate Secure, a natural dietary supplement for men. Prostate Secure is a scientifically formulated blend of clinically significant amounts of natural ingredients. It brings together the most powerful plant sterols like beta-cytosterol and saw palmetto, along with antioxidants such as vitamin D3, resveratrol, and lycopene to support good prostate health, proper urinary flow, function, and more. Check out ProstateSecure.com. Order online and save 10% with promo code SAVE10 or call 1-800-239-9432. That's 800-239-9432. Or visit ProstateSecure.com. Take control of your prostate health naturally with Prostate Secure. Going solar for cheap is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at 123cheapsolarvideo.com. The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to 123cheapsolarvideo.com right now. Our website again is 123cheapsolarvideo.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We're back with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
And, okay, so let's look at this situation in more detail here. Why is Apple cheaper than the rest? Uh, this is very simple. The 799 price, unsubsidized price for the Motorola Zoom, is a punitive price. It is designed to lock you to a carrier because the subsidized price is $600, which is really about on par with what you would pay for an iPad 3G. In fact, it's a few dollars less. But then you're going to be locked into a contract with Verizon for two years. So unfortunately, what's going on here with a lot of these, almost all of the Android tablets, is that they're being sold in such a manner that you would have to be kind of crazy to not buy them through a carrier. And yet you would be kind of crazy to buy them through a carrier because you're tying yourself down to this piece of technology for two years. And I believe this is still... Um, still a 3G device as well so you're not even getting you're not even getting the entire LTE I don't think it's LTE I could be wrong well I heard uh, a story this week that maybe you'll be able to upgrade to LTE for not a great deal of cost but then is that going to be firmware is that going to be ripping out chips and putting new ones in I don't know yeah that sounds I, I mean you would have to be crazy today I, I'm sorry to say I'm just going to be really blame with you and your readers I think it's crazy to buy a 3G tablet through your carrier today because we all know that there are 4G devices today. Six months from now, everything is going to be 4G. So you're committing yourself to 24 months. I mean, that's like saying, you know, it's 1998 and you want to commit yourself to 24 months of dial-up when you know your neighborhood is getting cable modems in six months from now. I mean... That you you don't want to be stuck on 3G and paying for 3G two years from now. The larger issue is the fact that you can buy an iPad for the same price or less untethered by a mobile carrier contract. And that puts Apple in the advantage. They've got the iconic product here. This is the thing that you use as plot lines in TV shows. And these companies want to compete with Apple. And they can say, well, maybe we have slightly better hardware. We have this, that, and the other thing, and we don't know what's going to happen in the iPad 2 right now. We can have all this. We can sell it on specs, but, gee, we can't match Apple on the price, untethered with a service contract. This is, there's, a reckoning, there's going to be a reckoning coming. There's no question about it. I think that, um, I think that personally, I think Motorola, HTC, LG, um, they're all Samsung. They're selling through the ca- their philosophy of selling through the carrier is in for I think kind of going to be in for a rude awakening because if they don't offer a a competitively priced non-contract device whether it's Wi-Fi only or you know or it's 3G in the 3G 4G in the sense that the iPad is where you can kind of turn on and off the service as you need it uh, and pay as you go. I think they're going to see very weak sales because I don't see the compelling argument to someone to commit two years of their time and resources to a tablet. I mean, it's nice to have a tablet. It's a very hot product. But how many people are going to say, you know what, I'm going to commit $1,400 so I can take this tablet with me everywhere? $1,400 over two years or something like that so I can make sure that I can carry this 1.6-pound tablet with me everywhere I go. Knowing next year it's going to be a pound for the same hardware or faster hardware. Correct. 
knowing knowing I'm going to be sorry that knowing next year I want to want another one, but I'm still committed to this one. I mean, I think that's I, I think that was a stretch when carriers tried it with netbooks, trying to get you to save a hundred dollars on your netbook by committing two years to it. And I would personally like to know. I would like to meet someone who signed up for that netbook deal where you you bought a subsidized netbook last year and ask them, are you still using your netbook every day or or close to it to to really justify what you, you you're spending on it uh, a year later? Cause I and also maybe whether you need to slap him in the head and say, what were you thinking about? I, I think that the carrier plans here. I mean, obviously it's in the carrier's interest. They would love to have you. They would love to have you spending more on data than you spend on rent or mortgage. And you certainly have the ability to do that to yourself if you get a tablet and you pay for the data plan. And you have a smartphone and you pay for the data plan. And then you buy yourself a MiFi and you pay for the data plan on that. Maybe you throw in a subsidized netbook while you're at it. And soon enough, you're paying, you're paying you know, for data four times a month per person in your family. And you've got four people in your family. Who knows? Maybe you're paying a thousand dollars a month for for data. I don't know, but I. Well, I you could. I'm not going to pay that much. I'll tell you, I'm not that nuts. But then that's why we have Wi-Fi hotspots, like in the Verizon wireless iPhone. Let me just talk to you about that very briefly because we have only a few moments left with this visit. Okay, have you tried the Verizon version of the iPhone yet? Uh, we have it in the office. I'm not the one who reviewed it, but we I've taken a look at it. It has a it has a pretty good hotspot feature uh-huh. i mean i think that's i think that's a very compelling a very compelling thing is you're going to want in the future i think carriers are going to have to catch up with the concept and users are going to want to have one source of data with them and that source should probably be the phone now would i get the when i get the verizon iphone i would wait i would wait till till a new one comes out with lte because once again you're going to be sorry six months from now when everyone is on lte well, the other thing is here, though, if you have used AT&T and you are in New York City or San Francisco, other places where reception is just impossible, where basically your iPhone is a data device, if you get to a Wi-Fi hotspot, not as a telephone, and you have to think, you know what, I can't wait. You know, if your contract is up with AT&T, just dump it. That might be a perception here because all I'm reading here is that in the places where AT&T is worst, Verizon Wireless is nearly seamless. Yeah, well, that's always, I mean, that should come as no surprise because we had that, you know, we've tested, you know, Android phones in the same location before the iPhone came to Verizon and Verizon Android phones did well in those locations. So why wouldn't the iPhone? It's the network. And the Verizon network is very good. And there's no question about it. If you switch from AT&T to, to Verizon, if you've been having problems uh, with your iPhone on AT&T's network, there's a very good chance that you'll have, have a much better experience on Verizon. But if you can possibly wait until the spring, until probably June, that's the usual release schedule for new iPhones. I would... I would imagine, if I were gambling, I would gamble that that is when the next iPhone comes out, and Apple would have to be tone deaf to release it without considering 4G. And then suddenly, of course, the issues are different, because the network system is different, and maybe building the new system, building it out, AT&T will learn from its mistakes. So far, the the 4G AT&T stuff that we've gotten has not been good. 
Uh, I mean, we tried the Atrix. We've tried a couple of AT&T HSPA Plus uh, devices around here. The speeds were were not that good. I think Verizon 3G was better. So, in other words, I wouldn't. So far, we don't have a lot of reason. We haven't seen here at the laptop a lot of reason to be optimistic about AT&T's 4G network, but we have seen a lot of reason to be optimistic about the Verizon's LTE network. That thing is fantastic. I mean, the speeds that we're getting on that are better than my home cable internet. And so I would, I would wait for that because, uh, I mean, you're, we, I'm getting six megabit per second uploads. That's like uploads, you're saying. Now, yes, normally upload. that's the average download. See, right now if you have, say, a cable internet connection, maybe your downloads are 10, 15, 20 megabits, uploads right. one or two. Right. In other words, we're getting like 20, 18 to 22 down on LTE, on an LTE modem and, you know, 5 to 7 up. That means if I want to upload a video that I shot, I'm going to pop in my LTE card over my cable modem. Over even our office internet here at, at Laptop Magazine, we, we pass around an LTE stick when we have to upload a big file. That's how good the LTE service is. And wait till that's deployed around the country. Of course, we have to bear in mind, too, I think you'll have to admit, and I don't know about the AT&T system, right now it's still a fledgling network. There are apt to be bugs, and I think the pressure is really, really on AT&T. They've got to get their acts together because when the next iPhone is out, you know, it starts all over again, and they may lose a lot of potential customers at that time. Right now they're tied into contracts, but they're going to have to have incentives. Where do we find more of the stuff that Avram Pilch and his staff write about? Well, go to LaptopMag.com, and while you're there, be sure to check out the little box in the upper corner that says uh, Mobile World Congress, or MWC 2011, and you can read all about some of the really exciting devices that we didn't get a chance to talk about here, like the HTC Flyer and the Sony Xperia Pro, and uh, you can also, of course, catch up with our Smartphone Buyer's Guide and, and all, of our, all of our laptop coverage as well. Uh, that's LaptopMag.com. Uh, that's LaptopMag.com. LaptopMag.com is the place to go. Avram Pilch, thanks for joining us this week on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Joining us now, Jim Dalrymple from The Loop at loopinsight.com. 
which is an online publication that covers all things basically Apple, because Loop is infinite, Loop, et cetera, et cetera. And I mention that for those of you who are new to the show and new to our presence on the GCN network. Now, this week, Apple, as expected, came out with an upgrade to the MacBook Pro. This is the first upgrade since last spring. So is there enough meat and potatoes here, Jim, to make you want to just throw out your version from last year and buy new ones? Yeah, actually, there is, yes. I have uh, I have one of the versions from last spring, the 17-inch, and, uh, you know, I love it. It's great, but, yeah, this one makes me want to just toss it over the deck and go get a new one. You know, when you look at at things like the processor. It's it's not just, uh, you know, a slight speed increase in the processor. You know, you look at, I think the one that I have is a 2.66, and this one's, uh, the new ones are 2.7, I believe, for the for the high end. The high end is uh, actually quad-core 2.3, 2.2. Okay. Um, so it seems well, it's not faster except that it's quad-core. Well, yeah, quad-core, when you, when you start looking at things like that. But this is a brand-new processor, too. Uh, it's a the the so-called Sandy Bridge processor, so you know you're you're looking at a whole new way of doing things, and that's, that's sometimes a misconception uh, when a new processor comes out. It's more efficient, it's faster, and it's faster than what even the specs may seem over the previous generation. So yeah, that that certainly makes it uh, a worthwhile thing for me. Now, absent any tests, and the tests will be out there in the near future, probably this week, absent those tests, one of the problems with quad-core versus dual-core is the fact that actually it doesn't do very much for many apps because so few apps are actually coded to support multiple cores, and therefore you're not really getting any improvement. Well, and typically the apps that aren't coded for things like quad-core don't really need it. You know, you're going to run those apps uh, fast on a dual core or a single core. You know, so um, if there's an app that really needs and can take advantage of a quad core system, typically the the developers, whether it be Apple or or one of the other big developers, they'll they'll make it use those. And you know, they're uh, buying decisions on computers. As much as technology has changed, the buying decision really hasn't. You 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 go out, you buy, and you know you you should add in some RAM and you know make sure that the system does everything that you want as soon as you bring it home. And I think you'd be happy with it. Well, the one thing I would ask here is at what point before we go into the specs, the other specs on the new MacBook Pros, at what point is the newer model? sufficient to justify throwing out the old one. I don't think it's 10 months later. Well, and that's different for everybody. You know, there are people that are already at the Apple stores that will buy the new one now that already have uh, one of the old ones. But for others, you know, everybody says that they won't buy a first-generation product. And, you know, a lot of people are like that. So they'll let this one slide by and maybe get one of the updated ones in a few months. You know, it's it really is different for everybody. Okay, let's look at some of the things that have happened here. Now, first, there was speculation, by the way. A lot of online speculation suggesting different features, different changes in Apple's gear. One of the speculations had it that the actual basic white MacBook would go away, but it's not gone away. No, no. I mean, you know, rumors and, and speculation are are good fodder. Uh, but the only thing that you can really go by is what 
Apple or whatever other company is being speculated on um, what they actually do. And, you know, I, I think that there's room for um, the white MacBook and, you know, there's room for a 13-inch MacBook Pro. There's room for 15-inch, you know. There, there's lots of room in the product line. So Apple obviously sees that and made the decision to do it. Okay, let's take a look at some of the stuff that's in the brand-new MacBook Pro series. There had been speculation about a hybrid drive, which means you have solid-state storage for a small part of it, and then you have the standard mechanical hard drive, being then the theory being that your operating system loads faster, so your perception of performance is faster. That did not happen. No, you know, it's another... Actually, it would have been a very cool thing if they had done that, because then they could have... uh, you know, if you could boot up at the same speed that you boot your MacBook Air, which for me in my Air is about 11 seconds, I mean, that's that's huge. But, you know, it was speculation and rumor that Apple would do that. Maybe, uh, you know, in a future release, they will do something like that. It's all about the hybrid drives, how inexpensive they might be, because Apple does one thing that's very important. They don't want to really increase the price that much. I mean... The new 17-inch MacBook Pro is $200 more than the last one. So, you know, they have to be careful here because if they start increasing prices too much, there's bound to be some customer resistance. Yes. Yeah, that's that's true. And, you know, then especially in these times, you know, every dollar counts. And when you look at, you you have to go in and look at what you're getting for how much you're willing to spend and and if that's acceptable to you. Each person that goes in, you know, they're going to have different requirements. I don't need as much RAM, so, you know, I can save some money there. Uh, but maybe I need a bigger hard drive. You know, it's it's all part of the the buying process, and, you know, we've all gone through it. You have to make compromises somewhere. Okay, a couple of other rumors that didn't come to the pass. They were talking about lighter, maybe half a pound lighter. The weights are about the same as the previous models talking about longer battery life and i don't see in the advertisements that much difference in terms of the battery life but then we have this new peripheral port that is developed by apple and also developed by intel together and this is something that's interesting this is something that probably people may wonder even what the word means okay because it's got this new high performance port that's called Thunderbolt, but actually that's not the official name from Intel, which was the main designer. Well, Intel had codenamed the technology Lightpeak, and Apple um, is branding that technology. Apple, um, uh, Intel, it's Intel's technology, and Apple said that they uh, collaborated with Intel to develop it. Um, and basically, it, it's a dual-channel technology, so it's one port, but it's dual-channel, and it can do 10 gigabits per second. So you could have, say, a monitor and a high-speed peripheral device like a RAID attached to your MacBook at the same time without losing any throughput. Let me give you the specs here, Okay. For Thunderbolt, according to Apple, it's 12 times faster than FireWire 800, up to 20 times faster than USB 2.0. You can daisy-chain as many as six devices, including a display. 
Yeah. That's huge. I mean, you, you, it's compatible with, uh, through an adapter with FireWire 800, FireWire 400. You know, it's compa- backwards compatible uh, through the adapter, but, you know, then you'll start to see devices coming out that are specifically made for Thunderbolt technology. Right. Right now, you have the port. Kind of looks like the mini display port that Apple has previously used. But you'll need adapter plugs for everything because it's going to be a while, I expect, before we actually start to see real Thunderbolt peripherals. You know, And it looks like Apple leaped well ahead of USB 3.0, the faster USB port. So is that saying that Apple is not going to support USB 3.0? They've got Thunderbolt. Do they need it? Well, I mean, that's a big question, isn't it? Uh, whether they actually need it or not um, is uh, a, a big question. And you never know what Apple's going to do with the, the peripheral technologies. You know, they were, uh, I think, the first to adopt uh, FireWire. Um, because they, they invented they, it kind of like that. That's one of the reasons <laughs> they were first. And the problem with FireWire is FireWire, I don't think, has gone as far as it could have gone. You know, we have FireWire 800. It's been around for several years, and there's a faster FireWire, faster than FireWire 800. We haven't seen it yet. Jim Dalrymple of The Loop joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. We'll be back in a moment. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, 1-877-804-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part? The pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the usa place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793 877-747-2793 call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's reusablecanninglids.com for tadler reusable canning lids the original since 1976 
Good day, Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, February 25th, 2011. Gold opened this morning at 1403.60. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1489.83, 719.92 for a half ounce, or 359.96 for a quarter ounce. That's 1489.83, 719.92, and 359.96. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights have been reduced to old relics politicians ignore, trample with their outlandish, overreaching policies. Your support of the Campaign for Liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I've teamed up with the Campaign for Liberty to offer the authentic-proof quarter-ounce pure gold coin. For only $390 plus shipping, Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800-686-2237. You get to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government. Call 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. It's a new year full of uncertainties. People are being laid off in record numbers. The price of food continues to rise and the economy continues to falter. You know that you need to prepare. And maybe you've been putting it off, but the time to act is now. That's why you need to visit OrganicaSeed.com. At OrganicaSeed.com, you'll find one of the largest online selections of heirloom seeds and survival seed packs, as well as the giant vegetable seed collections that can feed you and your family for years. Imagine growing your very own fresh vegetables, wheatgrass, fruits, herbs, rice, tea, coffee, and tobacco. With detailed growing guides available to you at no charge, you can maximize your harvest and investment. And the best part? All orders ship within 24 hours. So head over to OrganicaSeed.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A-Seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com today. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have Jim Dalrymple from The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live talking about the new lineup of MacBook Pro notebooks. You know, obviously it uses the new Intel Sandy Bridge chip architecture, meaning better performance, better power utilization, but also Thunderbolt. A new peripheral technology, and it's not Apple's technology, although they had something to do with it. It's Intel, which means that other computer makers are apt to include it, which will be fascinating. Indeed it will. It'll be interesting to see who, who does something with this. In any case, let's look at some other aspects of this before we go on. The MacBook Pro, anything that maybe you would have hoped for that wasn't there? I'm not saying so much you know, about a hybrid drive, but anything else that maybe Apple could have added, but they didn't. You know what? I, I really like the MacBook Pros. I, I don't know. You know they, they keep making things better on them. They seem to, for me anyway, they have enough ports. It does everything that, that I needed to do. I don't know that there's anything that I really would have added to it. Well, part of the thing here, of course, is if you bought yourself a new MacBook Pro last year. Now, other than Thunderbolt, you know, we don't know how fast the new processor is. You know, maybe it's 20, 30 percent faster. Not sure. But it's got to be a lot more before I think people are going to upgrade from last year. Now, maybe the year before or the year before that. Also, looking for the future, now that we have Thunderbolt, I guess it can't be long before the iMac is also updated with the new processor family and the new peripheral port, right? Well, you you would think so, yeah. 
when you look at, at a technology like Thunderbolt, you you look at, I think, higher end. So I don't know that we would see it on the necessarily on the iMac right away as much as we might see it on the Mac Pro. You know, that's a technology that would fit right in there. The iMac, I mean, it already has a display built in, so you wouldn't need it for that. You would just need it for uh, high-speed peripherals. Sure, but and, you also have a port for an external display, just like you have on the MacBook Pro. Oh, sure, yeah. But I, I, I would think that, that Thunderbolt would be, you know, better benefit the uh, the Mac Pro than the iMac. But at some point, you know, with high-speed peripherals, you never know. It could end up on, on all of their products. One of the things we'll have to look into. Now, you had some articles about this, and maybe we should cover this. There were rumors earlier this week that Apple was delaying the next iPad, the iPad 2, by a couple of months. Around that time, Apple's stock price dipped. But maybe it also dipped because of that tabloid article showing Steve Jobs looking kind of frail, exiting a cancer center. I don't know so much about whether this picture is real. I assume the picture is real, but certainly you could Photoshop it and make him look worse than he really is. And no one's assuming he's in perfect health. But You know, someone who has suffered from cancer is going to go back to a treatment center to be checked every so often to make sure there's no recurrence. Yeah, I mean, there there could be a hundred reasons why Steve was there if he was there. You know, I mean, Steve said that he wanted to take some time off to focus on his health. You know, the man had a a transplant. He's had cancer. I, I think that people should just give him some privacy and leave him and his family to, uh, to deal with whatever is going on. You know, maybe he just needs a rest. And his, his body certainly has taken toll lately. So if he just needs some rest, uh, you know, take some rest, take some time off and, and come on back. On the optimistic side, I said, look, you didn't see Steve Jobs being propped up by people. He was not in a wheelchair. And this week also he had dinner with President Obama. Yeah. And if you look at the picture, you see the back of Steve Jobs looking thin, but he holds up the glass in his hand. It's not tipping over. You really can't tell whether he's healthy or not. I'm assuming at least he was healthy enough to attend a dinner, and that requires a reasonable degree of health. Well, you would think so. You know, the, he, like you said, he's not being propped up by anybody. He is out and about. Uh, he's been seen on the Apple campus even after his... Uh, his medical leave started, and, you know, people that saw him said that he was looking good. So, you know, everything that, that people are, are talking about now is just speculation and and rumor, and and that's it. And, it, it, you know, in some ways it's very unfortunate because it's the man's private life. He has, you know, a wife and family, and I don't know. I don't know how many of us would like these types of stories floating around if, if it were us or our family. I think part of it is when you become a celebrity, the public thinks they own you. Yes, yes, that's true. But, you know, they don't. Well, that's part of the issue here. We think we own our celebrities. We have a right to know. And if somebody is the CEO of a corporation whose products we buy, we deserve to know the health. But really, you should be more concerned about the health of the company, not the health of one individual as talented and as brilliant as he might be. The other story, of course, is the rumor about an iPad 2 being delayed, and then a few days later, Apple says to the media anyway, come to San Francisco on the 2nd of March, and it sure looks like an iPad event to me, right? Well, yeah, it's definitely an iPad event. Uh, They'll announce the iPad 2, and 
you know, walk walk everybody through the new features and specs and things like that. So uh, everything that, that I've heard about the iPad 2 is that it's not being delayed. You know, just, just to add something to that, uh, it's very difficult for a product to actually be delayed when the company hasn't even announced when it will ship. <laughs> you know, how can it be delayed if nobody even knows when it's coming? Well, part of it is that we kind of want to think that Apple has certain release cycles. And so, therefore, being a mobile product, it should be released about a year after the previous one. Just like, for example, we expect an iPhone 5 in June or July of this year. Well, then we we should expect uh, we should have expected Mac OS X Lion sometime last summer, but it didn't come. Yeah, but Apple hasn't gone through the annual operating system release for a while. But... I mean that that's I, I just I just don't see how how people can say that it's delayed when you know Apple's got a product cycle. If if it's they change the product cycle, it doesn't mean that a product is delayed. I mean if they come out and say you know what we're not going to release an iPad now until November because that's what we want to do, well then the product cycle is changed. I would also expect based on reality that within days after the iPad two is announced. It's going to be available because the day it's announced, sales are going to drop off tremendously on the previous model. Well, you would have to think that if they're going to announce a new product, that certainly sales will will start to drop off. You're going to get some people that maybe won't care or will even hold out for an older model hoping to get a deal. Um, and, and that's, those are both fine strategies. You know, if you want to, if you want to do that, other people will want the brand new one. And, uh, you would have to think that it would be, the date would be announced shortly after that when it would be shipping. There was a prediction or a suggestion made from John Martellero of the Mac observer, where he suggests that Apple is going to sell last year's iPad for less money. So it's kind of like the scene playing out with the iPhone. You have the iPhone 4 available, but you can get the 2009 3GS for $49 or $19 refurbished, at least from AT&T in the United States. So if you can't afford the new iPhone, you get the old one. So maybe then for 349 you get last year's iPad, and this year's iPad is still 499 but that raises other questions. And what I want to ask Jim Dalrymple about as we progress, and before we get to discussions about Mac OS X Lion, about what new features we might expect in the iPad 2 just days ahead of the actual release of the information from Apple. Jim Dalrymple of The Loop joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E soft.com. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flew Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalheater.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump outs and repairs and remove septic system stench all with a 100% success rate see what gives biosafe one septic solution the advantage over any other septic product at biosafeone.com that's b-i-o-s-a-f-e-o-n-e.com biosafeone.com or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663 that's 1-866-424-6663 biosafe one the guaranteed bio-friendly money-saving way to clean your septic system For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338, utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at 
forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. Returning with Jim Dalrymple from the Loop at LoopInsight.com, and he has been covering this scene pretty carefully about what's going on, especially he came out with a story even before Apple announced its special event that rumors of an iPad 2 delay were not true, and he ended up being totally accurate about that. So I'll ask you, Jim, did you get that from a source inside of Apple? <laughs> you know I can't tell you that, Gene. Okay, but you did get it from a source. I got it from a source, yes. You didn't make it up out of whole cloth? No. Okay. No, I, I, uh, anytime that, uh, that I just give my opinion on something, uh, I'll make it very clear that this is my opinion because I don't want to confuse people and say that, you know, I don't want people to think that, you know, I, I have this from a source when I don't. So, yes, I, I did get that information from, from one of my sources. And, uh, you know, it, it turned out to be, be true. So I was very happy with the story. Okay, so let's look at the speculation. I don't know if your source has been that explicit about the tales, but let me ask you, what changes can we expect in iPad 2 or whatever it's called? Uh, well, I, I, this is all speculation. Uh, I don't have any details uh, from a source or otherwise that uh, uh, what the iPad 2 will have, but I think what people are expecting is uh, maybe a bit thinner than the the last generation uh, a front-facing camera which i think is something that that we'd all like to see all of us ipad users and you know i use mine a lot a front-facing camera especially when i travel would be great for facetime you know i would use it for the family obviously but uh, i think a lot of executives could use that for video conferencing uh, for meetings and and things like that so i think front-facing camera would would be a big thing a faster processor, you know. I think that we'll we'll really see the iPad take off with a with a faster processor. The apps that are coming out for the iPad and and even the iPhone are taking up a lot more resources. It's becoming like the PC universe, software bloat. As the computers, the products that run that software, become more powerful, we develop more powerful apps, and the circle begins. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what's happening. I mean, the, the SDK to make apps for, for the iPad uh, is, is very powerful in itself. It's, it's giving developers a lot of opportunity to make some very cool apps. But they're taxing on the processor, you know, to do that. So a faster processor will further advance what developers are able to do. And I also wouldn't be surprised to see a preview of iOS 5. Uh, to see what's next. Probably for summer release to see where that goes. Were you as concerned as I was about Motorola's logic or sensibilities when they announced the Zoom, this new iPad killer, selling for more money than the iPad unless you get it with a six-month contract for data? You know, I... There are a lot of companies out there. Well, no, there are a few companies out there that I think uh, could have a product to uh, to rival the iPad and not give it too much trouble. But you know, people will buy it. Motorola is not one of them. I don't see Motorola as much of a a threat to Apple at all. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that people have kind of lost faith in Motorola. You know, Motorola was the king of of cell phones and they let that slip away they just don't seem to stick with 
with anything you know, over the past five years. They they make a product and then they end of life it and make something completely different and say it's going to be great and then they end of life it and go on to something else. Sounds so, like Microsoft. What about the marriage made in some place between Microsoft and Nokia? I, yeah, I, I shook my head for two days over that one. I, I don't know. I mean, even the employees at Nokia were, were walking out. So it's, I don't disagree with Nokia that they need to move away from Symbian. I know that Symbian has a lot of fans. Um, That's an operating but, system, folks, he's talking about. Go ahead. Right. Uh, the operating system that Nokia uses, uh, just like Apple uses its iOS. Uh, I think that Symbian needs uh, a big overhaul. And I'm sure that Nokia looked into doing that and decided that it was easier and more financially prudent to partner with somebody instead. And, you know, the rumors at the time were that Nokia approached BlackBerry first and uh, ended up going with Microsoft. And also they might have considered Google. But we'll have to see where that happens. The problem is here they've basically gutted sales of all their products until the new phones with Windows Phone 7 come out. And that's not going to be till the end of the year. So they're giving up an awful lot. I don't know. Listen, we have a segment and a half left for this episode. I want to get into Mac OS X line. Didn't expect this, but on the same day that Apple releases the brand new version of the MacBook Pro, there's a developer's preview of Mac OS 10.7 Lion. Now, obviously, for those developers who actually download a copy and use it, they're under non-disclosure, a confidentiality agreement. So they can't say anything, but Apple has greatly expanded the information about what's available, what's coming in Lion. So what do we know? Anything new that Apple didn't tell us previously? Well, I, I, I think the the big thing that's that's coming out in Lion uh, that Apple is is showing us is this idea of full screen apps. So they really are taking a page out of iOS. Uh, so when you open an app in iOS on the iPad, for example, it opens and takes up the full screen. Well, on the Mac, you're now going to be able to do the same thing. Uh, things like um, the launch pad look very similar, well, exactly, like uh, uh, the, the home screen on your iPad with the apps all lined up. You can reorganize them. You can make folders. The folders look exactly like the iPad folders do. Um, so, you know, they, they really are making the two OSs kind of act similar. So if you use one, you know how to use the other. And that's very smart. You know, you want your users to, to say, oh, uh, Mac OS, let me see, let me look. Yeah, I know how to use that. I have an iPad. You know, so there'll be differences in the way that, uh, that apps work and things like that. But the, the basis of the OS um, is, is starting to look and act very similar uh, to the iOS. So I'm, I'm very pleased with, uh, with what I've seen. I haven't used it, uh, but I'm very pleased with what I've seen so far. And if he did, he couldn't tell you. Because yeah, exactly. you know, he can't kill an audience of 100,000 people because, it, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't work. But seriously speaking, okay, one of the things that interests me, there was a utility for the Mac out, I don't know, it might have been part of Now Utilities or one of those programs where when you restart your Mac, it would redo your desktop. So all the apps and documents you had open, they'd reopen again 
everything would be in the way it was before you had to restart the computer. Now, let me explain why this is such a good idea. The reason is, so for example, you get an update. And, you know, I want to install that upgrade now, the update from Mac OS X or something or from another company. Oh, my God, I got to restart. So you restart, and now you open up all your apps again. Or maybe they're startup apps. You know, they'll, they're set up in system preferences to start. So you wait for the apps to open up, and then you have to go open up your documents again and get everything set. So it's not just a couple of minutes you lose from restarting your Mac. It is a lot more to basically get everything set back the way it was. So after all these years, knowing there had been utility, I'm sure Apple knew this way back in the old days that could do this, you're going to get that kind of resumption or auto-resuming of your applications when you restart your computer. Now, from what I'm reading, this may require changes in the apps themselves, and I want to get into more of this with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. More about Mac OS X, Point seven Lion. Lion will be out this summer, but the developer preview is out now. It's being dissected, and we'll learn more and more about what's in it. I'll certainly be telling you a lot more about it at my regular blog, TechNightOwl.com. That is TechNightOwl.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hey, neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with a WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Who is Sam Andy? Sam Andy Foods is life insurance in a can. Life insurance you can eat. Sam Andy Foods has been serving loyal customers worldwide for over 50 years. Why so long? Simple. Sam Andy Foods have perfected the taste and quality of low moisture foods. Foods that last 15 to 25 years. And that's made us an industry leader among families, sportsmen, outdoorsmen, churches, schools, people living in remote areas, U.S. troops in wartime, and many others. Sam Andy is America's leading supplier of over 100 high-quality, low-moisture products, and everything you need to survive in any emergency. Visit SamAndy.com today for your free full-color catalog and free trial subscription to the Survival Times newsletter. That's SamAndy.com. Just like it sounds, SamAndy.com. Or call toll-free 1-888-331-0358. Your one-stop shop for everything your family needs to prepare for any emergency. Sam Andy Foods. Life insurance in a can. The collapse of the dollar is imminent. 
You can protect your wealth by buying gold, silver, and strong foreign currencies. But what if the government confiscates your precious metals, implements exchange controls, or nationalizes your retirement? You need a backup plan. That's why you must move your wealth into an offshore asset protection structure. Go to CollapseProof.com to get your free special report and discover how to store your gold and silver in the world's safest vaults or how to hold foreign currencies in a way that's safe from bank failures, bank runs, or exchange controls. Learn how the U.S. government failed to collect a $36 million claim because the defendant legally used an offshore asset protection program. This is what you need to keep your wealth safe when the dollar collapses and CollapseProof.com can help. Our programs are 100% compliant with U.S. law, but you must act now before it's too late. Call 800-798-2008. That's 800-798-2008. CollapseProof.com. Asset protection in financially unsafe times. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have Jim Dalrymple from the Loop at Loop Insight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg in the Tech Night Out Live. So about the auto-resuming of your apps, what do you think about that? Does that sound like something really good to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's things that can be done on an operating system level uh, to, to help us save time. And, you know, that's, things like that are, are just perfect for a lot of users, uh, especially if you can set it up to say, you know, even if you didn't, you know, the computer crashed and it starts up and, and puts everything back where it was. But if you can tell it, okay, every time I start this computer, I want to open mail, Safari, um, pages, and Excel, and just open those. That, that's great. Then you don't have to go around manually doing all the stuff. You restart your computer and you know when you come back, those apps are going to be open because that's what you always use. Uh, so yeah, there there are a lot of things uh, like that. Uh, saving files, you know, Lion will automatically save files for you now. It's it's a part of the OS. Now um, this is another concern I have. There are auto save utilities out there, been for twenty years, that will every few minutes or whatever save your document to protect you in case you get a power outage. You lose everything, you get a power outage. Okay, but according to what I'm reading from Apple's website, things like this will require that the app be updated to support the feature in Lion. It's not going to be, well, 
there automatically. It's going to be there if developers add the hooks. Well, if that's the case, it shouldn't be too hard for uh, for developers to add the hooks because that's why uh, Apple seeds them with uh, the developer releases now before it's ever released. So, you know, it, it's for reasons like this that on the day of an operating system um, release, we get, you know, 100 apps that are updated, you know, to take advantage of Lion-specific features. Perhaps but I there is also it. confusion here, because if third-party developers can figure a way to basically support almost every app, why can't Apple? Why does Apple require developers do that? Because some developers work on long-term cycles, like Adobe Creative Suite. They're not going to just update the Creative Suite to support this unless it's a very, very trivial update. Microsoft is not going to update Office to support this again unless it's a very trivial change. No, but uh, so many developers are working uh, with different code and, you know, Apple as the the one, um, you know, central body can't go out and, you know, make a feature automatic for every app. So they make it available if developers want to use it. And then developers go in and just add a hook and say, okay, this app now supports autosave or it supports versions or, you know, it'll support resuming. Uh, you know, that's, that's the way that it has to work. There's no way that Apple could make it work the other way. Okay, there's another feature. You mentioned it there, and I want to go into it in more detail, versions. And what this means is you basically, every hour supposedly, it's going to store a different state of your document. This is common, for example, if you're using like a Photoshop or something, and you have different versions of an illustration. And, of course, it has, obviously, the ability to as they say, revert to a previous version. But this is basically a system-wide capability. Every hour, it's going to basically create a new saved version of your document. And you'll be able to go into like a time machine kind of interface and get the one you want. Say you're writing a chapter of a book and you make a lot of changes and you say, you know what, the version I did two hours ago was perfect. Now, you know what, it doesn't look quite as good. I'm going to go back to the one I did two hours ago. Obviously, with the update from the developers, you'll be able to do it. Yeah, and it should be uh, very easy uh, to use with a, with a time machine-like uh, interface. That's Apple's backup uh, utility that's built into the OS, and it basically shows you all the revisions that, that you've done and the ability to get them back. Um, I, I love something like that because I have you know, documents, uh, especially if I'm working on the site, uh, WordPress or something like that, and, you know, you start making code changes, and then all of a sudden you mess it up really bad. And, you know, if, you, if you're not able to back out of it with undos, then, you know, you need a backup copy of that. So and here you have to do 27 different undos. It's a fixed point in time where it does that update. There's another couple of features I want to get into before we let you go, Jim Dalrymple, and that is something called AirDrop. Now, let me give you an example of this. The other day, my co-host on our other radio show, The Paracast, and I, Chris O'Brien, were working on what we call a demo reel of the best moments of our other show. And he sent me this copy, and because most email 
hosts, most web hosts, don't let you send 50 or 100 megabyte files. He sent it by a service called You Send It. But now Apple has something called AirDrop, which sounds even simpler. It's a way to share a file. Of course, the other person has to be using Mac OS 10.7 Lion, right? Yes. So what's the deal about AirDrop? What can you tell us? Well, AirDrop is is going to be a, an interface where you can send files um, to anyone. Now, according to Apple, it's anyone that's around you. So it will wirelessly um, connect to uh, people that are around you. You just Does it have to be on your local network, or can it be you know around you 10 miles away? I, I understand it to be on your local network, that they have to be literally around where you are. So if, if I want to transfer a, you know, a, a one gigabyte file to you or if I want to transfer a document to you instead of emailing it or you know, putting it on a, a, a disk of some kind or a flash drive, I can just drop it on uh, your name in the address book or in this interface and it'll just come to you. Okay, but it has to be on your local network. There's no way to do it like you send it or drop stuff where it can go across the pond, as it were, because, you know, I'm in Arizona, you're in Nova Scotia, Canada. It's not like we're working <laughs> side by side here. No, I, my understanding is that it does have to be on the, the local network. Was there anything so far in what we've seen of Lion, and we don't have all of it now, we're just getting, you know, the first glimmer of what the new features will be, and the fact that some stuff coming from the iPad will be incorporated into Mac OS 10.7 line. Anything you hope to see, but it's not there yet? Oh, wow. You know what? I, I think that I'm one of those people who has been very satisfied uh, with the last couple of versions of, of Mac OS 10, um, uh, Snow Leopard and Leopard. Uh, Snow Leopard especially made, made it very uh, stable, and, you know, it was a, a great release. Um, so I don't know if there's anything specific that that I would like to have. You know, I'm not so sure that I'll I'll use the full screen apps the way that Apple uh, intends them to be used, because I have so many things going on all at once. You know, my web browser and I'm writing a story and I have Twitter going and I have iChat going and you know you've got all these things. I don't know that a full screen app is is right for the, my workflow, uh, but we'll see. You know, we'll give it a try and see what it's like. My concern about Launchpad is the fact that if you have two or 300 apps and you want to get to the one you want using Launchpad, you've got to page through, what, 20, 30 pages? So the thing I hope they would have, and we'll see whether you can configure which apps appear in Launchpad and which don't. Now we have Mac OS 10.7 Lion coming out this summer, which means any time between now and, what, the 20th or 21st of September of right. 2011. Jim Dalrymple, tell us how we can find more of the things that you write about. You can find me at uh, loopinsight.com. Uh, I write there every day. Um, all kinds of Apple stuff and music stuff. And uh, come on by and say hi. Right. And by the way, our friend Peter Cohen also writes for The Loop and works with Jim Dalrymple. Lots of exciting stuff there. More exciting stuff every week on the Tech Night Out Live Check out my daily commentaries at TechNightHowl.com. That's TechNightHowl.com. We also have a second radio show, The Paracast, about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And it's over at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. I'm on Twitter. TechNightHowl at Twitter. TechNightHowl at Twitter. 
Follow us, neighbors, and maybe I will follow you. This has been the Tech Night Owl Live. A special thanks to Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.